have you with us here this morning. If you could just go around and greet some of your family of faith and tell them you're happy to see them too. Well, good morning, everybody. It's good to have you. Uh, tithe and offering, if you have. Uh, if you have giving this morning, tithe and offering out loose through the chairs in front of you. And if not, wave your hand around, and uh, Mike will help you out. By the way, Mike has prayer cards. Bring one of those prayer cards, Mike. Now, Here's the thing about our church, we are a church that prays, amen? So if you do have a prayer need, Mike has prayer cards right there, wave your hand, ask for one. He'll get them to me at some point after church today. And uh, we take those to prayer, my personal time, but also every Monday night from six to seven here at the church, we have church-wide prayer. We pray over these prayer cards. So uh, if you have a prayer need, please ask for one of those and uh, join in faith with you and the things that you are uh, taking to God in prayer. But giving today, we appreciate your giving, uh, your dedication to our church, but uh, you're not necessarily giving to the church, you're giving to God. So God can, uh, in giving wisdom and wise stewardship, that we do things with the finances that are honoring of him and certainly advancing, uh, we believe, the kingdom of God on earth right now as it is in heaven. We're, we believe we believe that God is up to something. How many know that? And, and you're giving is part of the participation of how uh, some of those things come about. So let me pray over your giving today. If you have something today, you can bring it down uh, to these baskets down here. Lord, we thank you that you are a provider in all things. And, and as we give today, Lord, we do it as part of our worship. We do it in honor of you, that the tithe is holy to you. And we give with expectation in our heart that you are going to do things with the finances that come into the church that that are advancing your kingdom here, and it's uh, building your kingdom, equipping those uh, that, that are following you, Lord. And, and we praise you today for the so many different ways you have always provided for us, Lord, that, that we are, as you taught us to pray, that we always have this day our, our daily bread, and we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, we all say 
Amen. So if you have something to give, you can bring it. I apologize in advance. I have a handful of announcements. I hate doing a lot of announcements, but there's some things going on I got to let you know about. Uh, don't forget today, right after church, uh, is Next Steps. So if you sign up for Next Steps, please, uh, what we'll do is we'll go down and past the kids' church into the corner room of the church downstairs. Next Steps is, is, the, is kind of the get-to-know-you, get-to-know-us information about the church if you're considering making this your church home. That's what Next Steps is about. So you can ask some questions. I can tell you more about the church. It's also the gateway to serving in the church. We're, we're a participation church. That we don't just come and be here, but I believe the body comes together as a body so we all have a function and a part to play in the body. So that's also a gateway into serving. So anyways, if you didn't sign up for Next Steps and you heard that, you're like, well, yeah, I'd like to come. Come on down. Uh, and, and we'll see you as soon as we get wrapped up here in a couple moments. We'll go down there and have that time together. So uh, please be there for that if you signed up. Uh, coming up this month, it's obviously we're into November, so uh, a couple things about November. Every year in November, we take up what we call our Thanksgiving offering. And a Thanksgiving offering is something above your tithe that uh, we designate to a project that needs done in the church. That offering is taken up on November 19th, so two weeks from today. And uh, how many of you have ever walked in front of our, our church over here? How many of you have seen the sidewalk over there? It's crumbling, it's breaking, it's falling apart. Uh, that is our responsibility, it's not the city's responsibility. So this year's Thanksgiving offering is gonna be designated towards uh, in the spring replacing the sidewalk. It, it can be hazardous, we just wanna make sure it's safe out there when people are using the sidewalk. So that's what Thanksgiving offering this year is gonna be about, is replacing the sidewalk out front. And uh, so as you give, you know that's what the money is going towards. So November 19th, Thanksgiving offering, don't forget that. And then also, uh, just so you're aware, the week of Thanksgiving, uh, we do not have church on Wednesday. We do it on Tuesday night instead. That way, if you're traveling or you're preparing for Thanksgiving, and, and I, hope, I hope everybody, you're already making food on Wednesday night, getting ready for Thursday. Maybe not. Okay, anyways, I just like to think that way. Maybe you don't. Uh, but anyways, church that we would call it Turkey Tuesday. Midweek is Tuesday and not Wednesday. Uh, so uh, don't forget that. Again, church-wide prayer tomorrow from 6 to 7. Again, we're a pray-first church, so if you've never been to church-wide prayer, I encourage you to be there for that. Also, uh, shoeboxes. Let me, let me see that thing. If you were putting together a shoebox for Operation uh, Christmas Child, these are due next Sunday. So if you have questions about that, Bill and Patsy, wave your hand around. They will help you out. And also, this coming week on Saturday is the bowling fundraiser for the Sycamore House. So if you're planning on being a part of that, we want information, see Mike. Mike, wave your hand around. He'll tell you more about that. Oh, my. Lots going on. Oh, by the way, this Wednesday, we have a guest speaker. John Javette is going to be with us. John is a pastor in Pakistan. He has a great church in Pakistan. We know him through relations of, of traveling there. He's coming to be uh, uh, with our churches this week. He's actually at the Botkins campus today. He'll be with us on Wednesday, I think, Kenton on Thursday, I think. But anyways, he'll be with us Wednesday, so guest speaker Wednesday night. Be here for that. Uh, youth Hangout was scheduled for this uh, Wednesday. We're not going to have Youth Hangout because of the guest speakers, so the teens can be in uh, for him. So uh, please be aware of that. But anyways, I'm looking forward to a good time on Wednesday. And uh, I know uh, he's going to bring a good word from the Lord. So anyhow, I think that's all I got to say. So having said that, thanks, Samara. If you brought your Bible, go ahead and get it out. I love when you bring your Bible to church. It's okay if you didn't. We do put the verses up on the screens, but get your Bibles out if you have them. First Kings chapter 19 is where we're headed today. First Kings 19, and we are in a series called questions. Now, I know I've been saying this, but let me just kind of recap real quick. Why are we doing this? I have personally a whole lot of questions I can't wait to ask God. I mean, you've got those kind of questions, things you just don't understand. I've, I've got a bunch of them. You know, I've been, I've been a, a following Jesus since I'm 17. won't tell you how old I am now, but it's been a long time, all right? And there are things that I've wrestled with a lot for a lot of years. And I have questions that, that I haven't come to necessarily satisfactory answer in my heart yet, but I believe at some point I'll have those answers. But we often have a lot of questions for God, but have you ever been in the scriptures and noticed 
that there are times when God asks questions of the people that he's interacting with. Jesus the same way. As a matter of fact, well over 100 times in the Bible, just God or Jesus asks a question of somebody that they're interacting with in that moment. So we've been looking at questions that God has asked. And I think any time that God asks a question, it's not because he's ignorant of the answer. He's trying to get at something in you, right? It's not like God is unaware of things, so he's got to ask questions about stuff. He certainly knows. But whenever God asks a question, he's after something that's in you that he wants to draw out and, and bring to your attention. So 1 Kings chapter 19, we're going to meet up with Elijah today. So if you have your Bibles, go there. We're just going to go in verse number 1. Now we're going to read it. I'm going to give you a tad of a backstory after we read it. Then we're going to talk about this for a few moments. Ahab told Jezebel, there's, there's a key characters here, all that Elijah had done. I'll tell you in a minute what happened. And how he had killed all the prophets with the sword, the prophets of Baal. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so may the gods uh, do to me and more also if I do not take your life as one of those of them by this time tomorrow. Then Elijah was afraid. And he arose and ran for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and he left his servant there. But he by himself uh, went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree or a spreading tree. And he asked that he might die, saying, it is enough now, I've had enough. Lord, take my life for I am no better than my father's. And he lay down, and he slept under the broom tree. And behold, an angel touched him and said, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, at his head was a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. And he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came a second time, and he touched him and said, Arise and eat, for the journey is too great for you. And he rose and ate and drank and, and went in strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb or Mount Sinai, the Mount of God. And there he came to a cave and lodged in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said to him, and here comes the question, what are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah responded, I've been very jealous for the Lord, for the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant thrown down your altars and killed all your prophets with the sword, and I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And God said to him, go out and stand on the mount before the Lord, or before me. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke it into pieces, the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake of fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper, some translations say a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? God asked him a second time. And Elijah responds the same way. He said, I've been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even only I, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And the Lord said to him, go return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when you arrive, you shall anoint, and he gives him purpose. Elijah is considered one of the great prophets of the Old Testament. And if, you, and if you just jump back some chapters and read about him, this guy did amazing things. God spoke very directly to him. He heard the voice of the Lord, very, very distinct in giving him directive and purpose. Uh, it actually talks about that, that Elijah would pray that it wouldn't rain, it wouldn't rain. And then he later on, we'll see after this, this story, he, he, or before the story, he prayed and then there's rain. He, he was with the widow that, that was on her last bit of, of food, and, and 
that she was about to starve to death with her son, but Elijah, with a miracle, uh, multiplied the oil for her. And then even after that, that son died, and, and through the prayer of Elijah, he was rose from the dead. And right before this, uh, where we picked up in the story, he just had a showdown with the prophets of Baal, where he built an altar and, and surrounded it with water, covered it with water, and the fire of the Lord came down and burned up the whole altar, the water included. Elijah was doing incredible things by the power of the Lord. But then when he heard Jezebel wanted to have him killed, he ran in fear for his life. I mean, he didn't even stay in the victory that just happened, the possibility of maybe now there being a movement to restore proper worship in Israel, but he ran. This great man, Elijah was still susceptible to fear, overwhelming anxiety, worry. There's many that think that maybe a story that we just read, he fell into a depression. Elijah ran and sat under a broom tree in the wilderness or the desert, the desert being very symbolic of a dry place, maybe feeling separated from God, a wasteland. And, and if you notice what he said there in uh, verse number four, he said, it is enough. Some translations say, I've had enough. I'm done with this. Take my life. He asked God to kill him. Think about that. This great prophet had just literally called down fire from heaven, and it happened burned up an altar covered in water, then turned around and had the prophets of Baal killed, was running in fear for his life, came to a wasteland, sat there, and asked God to kill him. Now, let, let, me, let me just say some things about that real quick. Do not ever entertain thoughts about the ending of your life. This needs to set on everybody here. Now, the Bible says in the book of Ecclesiastes, there is a time to be born and a time to, to die. Whose hands is that in? The hands of God. Now, what's interesting is Elijah didn't try to take his own life. He asked God to kill him, okay? But here's the thing. If you wake up tomorrow morning breathing, it's not your time, so let's go. Let's not entertain thoughts of taking your life. Or let's not entertain thoughts about your life being taken. Whether outside things would influence you to think that way, maybe the thoughts of the enemy, I don't know. But if you are here and alive, then God has not decided it is your time. Because he holds in his hands his creation, as it says in, in the great Psalm 139, that each one of us is fearfully and wonderfully made. Amen. And at some point, it's got to grab your heart. And sometimes when we find ourselves in places like Elijah found himself, we begin to entertain these kind of thoughts. Notice God didn't kill him. So there's your answer. You are worth the space you take up and the air you breathe because you are a wonderful and fearful creation of God. Amen. So, so let's not entertain the thoughts of the ending of our lives. And that's whether or not you feel like you're succeeding in life, by the way. Don't think about yourself in the light of your current situation. Think about yourself in the light of the eyes of God as to why he made you and the purposes that he has for you. Amen. So now I'm not going to speak directly to depression and anxiety today, but what I want to do is I want to show you how God responded to Elijah when he found himself in that moment. Okay? It's important to see how God sees us 
in these times of our life. And, and sometimes we find ourselves in places where we feel lost. We find ourselves in places when we feel lonely. We find ourselves in places where we feel defeated, sort of out of sorts, I guess, overwhelmed, maybe empty. Some of you, maybe you just all of a sudden feel very chaotic in your mind and in your life. And sometimes you have no idea how you got there. You just find yourself in that place. I want to tell you how Elijah is responded to by God, because I think it's important to see how God deals with him and God's view of Elijah, even though he found himself in this place. And then first of all, you got to see this. When God saw Elijah where he was, before he asked him the question, why are you here, Elijah? Notice that God did not chastise him. Notice God was not angry with him. Notice God didn't start calling him a failure. See, when you find yourself in these places, I want you to understand something. God is not upset with you. And you are not in sin. And you are not a disappointment to him. If you notice, uh, when the angel was tending to him, he may mention that, yeah, this journey's been too great for you. God sees the moments of your life. And he doesn't get angry at you about it, but he has empathy with you for it. Because he's a God who cares. Amen? So God doesn't chastise Elijah, but, but what God does is this. God actually starts to take care of him. Notice the angel comes and a couple of occasions gives him something to eat. He starts taking care of Elijah's physical body and the weariness that Elijah found himself in. Now, let me, let me just say this. Taking care of your body is a good thing. And though I'm not an expert on these things, I do know sometimes it has a direct result on your mental health. See, God took care of Elijah's body. Are you letting God take care of you? And are you aware of yourself enough to take care of yourself? See, we need to learn to find rest in God. I heard somebody else say this, not mine, but he said, so often we're chasing happiness or we're chasing things in life, but yet we have not have the ability to rest in the joy of the Lord. We haven't learned how to rest in his presence. We haven't allowed him to take care of us. We believe in him, but are you allowing him to take care of you like Psalm 23, that the one song we were singing today referenced? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want... Where does he take you? Green pastures. Quiet waters. Where he makes you rest, where he restores your soul. We have to learn to let the Lord take care of us. Like he's taking care of Elijah. But you got to learn how to take care of yourself too, by the way. Amen? And you're you, and not everybody can tell you how to take care of you. You know you the kind of rest that you need, things like that. Pay attention to your needs. You, see, when God makes you fearfully and wonderfully made, he gives you a body, right? He doesn't intend for you to just wear this thing out. He doesn't intend for you to, to run it ragged. He doesn't intend for you to do things that break it down and harm it. Amen. So learn how to let God take care of you, but then learn how to take care of yourself also. So Elijah found himself being tended to by angels. Physically, he was being nourished. But then he takes off again. He finds himself at uh, Oreb, the mountain of God. Now, it is also the same mountain. Another name is Mount Sinai. 
This is the place where Moses received the Ten Commandments. It's the places where, as we saw with the story with Elijah, God passed by Moses. See, it's at this mountain that, that Elijah actually heard from God. But you, but you need to see this. The first thing is, is don't stay in the desert underneath the broom tree asking for God to take your life. Don't camp out there. When God begins to take care of you, respond by getting active. Now, even when he gets there, he goes and hides in a cave. And here comes the question, and it happens twice. Why, what are you doing here, Elijah? God was getting at him, getting after his mental and physical state. As the psalmist writes, why are you downcast, oh, my soul? He's getting after Elijah's heart. You see, Elijah was zealous after the Lord, but it seemed like nothing was working out. When God asked Elijah, what are you doing here? He's after something. So, Christian, if you'll throw that slide up, please. God asks, what are you doing here? But no, whenever God is after the state of your being, God wants to take care of you. And God wants to reinstitute purpose in your life. Catch that. Not only is he going to take care of you, but if you've forgotten about it, he's going to give you purpose. See, I love that when he asked Elijah, what are you doing here? He says, what are you doing here, Elijah? He called him by name. I love that. Never forget how intensely personal God is to you. He knows you. He knows you very specifically, and he knows you by name. He's personal, and he's intimate. And when he asked Elijah, what are you doing here? He's after the state of his heart. He knew the state of his heart. It wasn't just about his physical location, about why are you downcast in your soul? That's what he's getting after. He knew. It, he wasn't unaware, but he wanted Elijah to come to a place and understand, this is where I'm at today, and recognize his state. But he calls him by name to let him know, listen, I'm very personal with you. When God actually spoke to him, he didn't speak to him in the earthquake or the, or the mighty wind or the fire. After all that was done, he could have showed up in power, but how did God show up to him? In a gentle whisper. Again, that's how God responds to you when you find yourself in these kind of moments. He cares for you. He's not angry at you. Not disappointed. But he comes in a gentle whisper, What are you doing here, Elijah? How did we get here? And after this gentle whisper, from a God who loves and desires you, God's intention was not to leave Elijah in that place. Notice the first thing he does is, okay, here we go, Elijah. Listen, I'm caring for you. I see where you're at. I see where you are physically far away from your purpose, but I see where you're at in here. Go back in the way in which you have come. I've got some jobs for you. And, and then you can read on the things that he does. He starts to anoint people as kings and things like this. Again, high purpose. The thing you need to understand is that everybody needs to know meaning. Everybody needs something meaningful. Some of you have lost that. Some of you maybe found, feel like you've never even found it. But you need to allow God to show you meaning for your life. Because there is. Something that is fearfully and wonderfully made is not made then empty. There's meaning. Now, I'm going to give you a place to start. You ready? Here's a place to start. 
How many of you in this room are married? You have meaning. How many of you have kids? You have meaning. How many of you have a job? You have meaning. Right? What's in your hand? You don't have to go looking for all this purpose out there. There may be something out there, but what is in your hand right now? That's meaning for life. Now, then we take a couple steps back from that. How many of you believe in God? How many of you believe in a personal relationship with Jesus? You have meaning. There is not a person in this room, even if you found yourself in a lonely place, even if you found yourself in a place of anxiety and worry, no matter what place you have found yourself in, those things did not steal your meaning of life. Don't let them. Sometimes we become overwhelmed by things. Okay. That did not change the fact that you were fearfully and wonderfully made. That did not change the fact that you have things in your hand. That has not changed the fact that there is a God who loves you and desires you. Amen. We got to reconvene on meeting a little bit. Now, the thing about this is, notice, Elijah obeyed God. That's the thing. Elijah could have saw what happened and said, nope. I'm going back in the cave. <laughs> and he could have went back in the cave and stayed there. He could have left the mountain of God and gone right back to the wasteland, the desert, found that same tree and parked himself right back under that tree and did nothing. See, what happens is when we fall in these places, it can then re- take us into periods of inactivity in our lives. And these things just kind of deepen when that's happening. God is calling us out and saying, hey, look, I get it. I see it. Yes, the journey's been hard. It's been overwhelming. I get it. I'm going to care for you, but don't stay there. Come back to what is in your hand and just start living life there. That you work to be the best spouse you can be. Amen. I'm trying. You work to be the best parent you can be. Wait a minute, I made mistakes. I, I, I haven't done well. Okay, but today's a new day. Man, I know I haven't been a good parent all the time. Okay, we all make mistakes. No perfect parent out there. We can start today, right? I have a job. I, I can do well at my job. I can actually approach my job, and as it says in Colossians, do everything as unto the Lord. Okay, I'm, I'm going to start being the best employee or best boss I can be. Right? I can start paying attention to, to, to God. Today's a new day. And respond to his love and his mercy and his grace. But Elijah responded to God. And we've got to learn to start responding to him. Because I believe somehow, some way, he's going to bring you out of those moments back into life. By the way, do you realize that God gave you things that you like and enjoy? And he did it for a reason, so you can have activity in your life? Y'all know, y'all know what I like to do. I like to hike. How many of you like to hike? Now, some of you, not everybody, because you're all not like me. Some of you are. You have different things you like. I know, uh, Lisa, you guys got horses, right? You love horses. I don't want a horse. <laughs> Not interested. You know why? But she does. Purpose and interest, activity. Some of y'all like to garden. You see what I'm saying? You have interests. Why? God gave you those things. Be active. Purpose, meaning. See, God is, is intending things in your life because... Ultimately, purpose never is about yourself alone. You will find fulfillment, but purpose always goes outward. You know that? When I am trying to be the best husband I can be, it's not just being fulfillment for me, but obviously 
There's a benefactor. My kids, my job. Amen? When God is speaking to you in moments, you've got to learn to hear him. A lot of times, listen, a lot of times when we fall in these moments, we just kind of shut everything out. Just close it all away. Okay, but don't shut God out. Because he's the one that will bring you out. He's the one that will speak to you. He's the one that will reignite things in you. You've got to obey. Amen? Elijah, great man. Great man. Found himself in the desert and found himself in a cave. How many of you, I'll be honest here, how many of you at times have found yourself in a place like that? Anybody? Yeah. I think it happens to a lot of people. I say that to say this. You're not alone. You're not the only one. And by the way, it's not because of a lack of faith. It is moments of your life. But God has meaning for you. Amen? I believe that. So what I'd like to do today is I want to close today out by taking communion. So if the ushers will come and bring the tables out this morning. So if you find yourself in a place like that right now, if you feel like you're in, in a moment or a season, or whatever you want to describe it, but just overwhelmed, feel like you've lost meaning, not exactly sure what to do, I want you to take a deep breath. I know that God's got you. And I want you to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. He's going to start giving you steps out of that season, out of that moment. Don't, don't, uh, don't get comfortable in those moments that you want to stay. I think we can get that way. But let the Holy Spirit through his care and his comfort and the gentle whisper ignite within you a whole new season of meeting in life. And I believe he'll do that. Let's all stand. I want, I want to pray. Before we come down for communion today, Lord, you, you see us and you know our hearts. You ask, why are you here? What are you doing here? And I pray that we respond, Lord, with an honesty. Lord, I am here and this is why I'm feeling. This is what I'm going through. And, and I'm not sure why or maybe this is why, but this is it right here is how I am today. I pray, Holy Spirit, you begin to do a work among us today, right here, right now. Because Jesus, you can change anything. Anything. Reignite purpose within us. Meaning. I pray the joy of our salvation grabs hold of our hearts. Oh, Jesus. I pray for those struggling with worry, anxiety, depression, these things, Lord, that we, we face, Lord, that you are present in their time of, of need. And they begin to see you very clearly and, and to hear that, that gentle whisper that calls each of us by name. 
I thank you that you care that much. Oh, Lord. Grab hold of us in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We pray against the plans, the schemes of the enemy, how he would try to use these sort of things to, 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 to weigh people down and kind of put chains around them. They can't, they can't feel like they function at all. We, we come against that in the name of Jesus. We speak freedom. We speak life in Jesus' name. Oh, Lord. So wonderful. We have the tables down here this morning, the tables of the Lord. If you would like to participate in communion today, you don't have to, but if you want to, I just ask you to kind of make your way out to the middle aisle. Uh, grab the elements, go out the sides, head back to your seats. We'll partake together in just a moment. When we talk about a God that loves you and cares for you, God that loves you and cares for you even when you feel unlovable, it's ultimately shown in the table of the Lord that Jesus would die the death as the wage of sin for us in our place. Simply because of his great love for us. Romans chapter 5, for the Lord show his love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, Jesus died for us. Amen. So on the night that he was betrayed, Jesus took the bread and gave thanks. He broke it and gave it to his disciples. And he said this, take and eat, this is my body, which is given for you as we are doing today, do this in remembrance of me. His body was given for us. His body was broken for us. He was sacrificed for our sins. Partake of the bread together this morning. But in the same way, after supper, he took the cup and he gave thanks. And he gave it to them, the disciples. And he said, drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, 
which he shed for you and for demanding for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it, as we are doing today, in remembrance of me. Let's partake in a cup together. When we take the Lord's Supper together, we proclaim that Christ has died, but then he has risen, and we proclaim that he is coming again. Because in him we have died together, and we will rise together, and we will live together. And because of the work of the cross, all of our problems we send to the cross of Christ. All of our difficulties we send to the cross of Christ. All of the devil's works we send to the cross of Christ. All of our hopes we set on the risen Christ. And in this we live. Amen? I just want you to take a moment and, and thank him for what he has done for you. Lord, we, we praise you and we thank you for your wonderful grace and your mercy the forgiveness of our sins, the giving of new life, of hope. Lord, we are headed for eternity with you. Thank you, Lord. Your works are wonderful. Lord, we ask today that, that as we leave this place together this morning, we're full of hope. We're encouraged today. Lord, that we are strengthened today. Lord, if we found ourselves in these places of despair, you're leading us out, Lord. We thank you for that. But there's nothing too big, there's nothing too deep, there's nothing too wide, Lord, that you cannot rescue us from. Thank you. So I pray blessing on the house today, blessing for our week, blessing until we come back together again. Lord, that we go forth as a light to the world, a light in the darkness, a light that shines you and reflects you, for you are the one and only Savior. We do all things in your name, in your name, in Jesus' name, we all say, amen, amen. Well, thank you for being here today. Now, here's the thing, right after church. Judah's going to be here. Margaret's going to be here. I'm going to be here. If you need prayer about anything, you want to join in faith about anything before you leave, please come down. We want to pray with you. If not, Wednesday we'll be back. Next Sunday we'll be back. If you're new with us today, and if you want to, there's a Connect card in the seat in front of you. Fill it out. Give it to Kelly. And